Hi everyone and welcome to the Shop Store Podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 29. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Hello. And John Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Hello. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments towards the end of the show, but feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. So we've got a couple of uh, announcements this week. The first one, just from myself, I just want to say a very big thank you to Joey and, and John for running the show last week. If you didn't catch it, <laughs> I wasn't here. Not, um, not so much of a show as a train wreck, but yeah. <laughs> it was good so, to watch unfold. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they steered the ship, as you guys oh. said at the end. Which was yeah. pretty cool, um, and the reason that the reason that they were doing that was because I was in hospital. My wife was giving birth to our first child, a little girl by the name of Mackenzie. I'm super excited. I've now been a dad for almost a week, and um, so far it's the coolest thing, raddest thing ever. You're nailing it. Yeah, don't know about nailing it. Uh, <laughs> I, I might be a little behind and a little bit slow tonight, just from lack of sleep. But it's yeah, definitely worth it. Awesome. Cool. All right. So let's get started um, with what we're doing this week. I saw a very colorful box on your Instagram, Joe. Yes. I made my son's, he just had his three third birthday. Um, so I made him a Lego PlayStation kind of general toy box thing. Uh, just uploaded the video like, I don't know, two hours ago. So oh, cool. um, go check it out. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I had <laughs> ties into the topic probably quite well is I had some real issues with spray paint with it and maybe we could talk about it a bit later, but, mm. um, I thought, yeah, bright colors is going to be the, you know, the best, most efficient thing to do is to buy a few spray cans and mm. spray it up. And I, I have got some experience with bright colors, especially like yellows and reds, which are generally really hard to cover um and but the paint just blistered and peeled away and right. just, just awful like it was good and, and up until my final coat you know it sanded between coats and final coat went on and then it just peeled back to like under the primer like it's really odd oh, geez. what was it was it an acrylic or uh, like a proper smelly lacquer stuff oh right so, real deal stuff um crap and yeah, I mean, I probably spent eighty bucks on spray cans, <laughs> and so workshop must have stunk. I did it all outside, which was uh, half the problem uh, because. Uh, What's your neighbor's car look like? <laughs> no, it's just dry time at the moment. It's so cold here that it was literally like one coat a day, and so that was just killing mm -hmm. the timeline, which is why I was a day late giving it to him. Um, so I ended up having to just go and sand it back and buy acrylic paint and roll it on which actually worked really good so ah, I, I must say that finish was amazing i looked at the colors and i just thought it looked so professional and yeah. i immediately assumed it had to have been spray that's the only way you can oh, get yeah that. no i mean i was really happy with I and mean, i should have just gone for what i knew that works um and yeah especially with bright colors and a good like thick paint you can just i think you can do a lot um but Yep. So that's that works. He's happy. It's pretty cool. 
Um, so I had this inspiration over the weekend to make a coffee table or an idea for like a, a range of furniture, I suppose, that's really minimal and kind of tied together with glass or maybe perspex. Um, so I, I drew up this. It's very, uh, it's a very um, geometric shaped kind of thing. Um, anyway, I, I'm filming it and I thought this is going to be you know, really easy. I'll, I'll glue up these bits. I had to make a couple of jigs and then I can just spit out these, these um, coffee tables, you know, easy as. Well, it turns out that the glue up, I mean, just, just didn't work. Nothing worked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh, not today. Like I, I knew it would be a bit difficult and I thought, I'll, I'll figure it out when I get there. I mean, surely I can figure out a way to glue two bits of wood together. Um, sure, they're, they're at a bit of a weird angle, but it'll be right. Ah, oh, so you mean like just the, the um, it's not the, the gluten set, you mean like just no, mechanically they didn't go together? couldn't get it to work. Like, and um, so I, I got halfway through the first, this, this is in kind of two units, this thing. There's a sneak preview of it on my Instagram, but I, I'm a bit reluctant to show the whole thing just yet because I want to perfect the design. But um, So yeah, I got halfway through the first glue up and just, this is a disaster, but carried on and then decided well, I'll just put the other one together and then I've got a pair of shit ones. <laughs> <laughs> And and they are terrible, but it gives me like a good three dimensional view of what it's going to look like, and I really like the look of it, and I think it's going to be a very cool thing. Um, I now just need to find some time to actually build it better and work out how to do it. It's really complicated geometry, compound miters and stuff, and there's just no way to get a clamp. And I think the problem mainly is I was dominoing it, and anyone who's used a domino to um, join a mitre knows that the pressure's got to come on like a 45 degree angle to the join. Is that right, George? Um, something like that. Um, and so when you are joining a compound angle with the domino, there's like, there's nowhere to put a clamp. So, um, so when you say from the domino, cause the domino is going into the, the, the cut mitered face, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So the pieces come together, you know, um, how you say, yeah, on a, on a weird angle. <laughs> and then you, I know what Mac Ramona does for the clamping is he yeah. cuts the extra block and then glues That's, it, he glues yeah. it to it. And then yeah, I, mean, I suppose, it. I'm not sure if that would work in this case because the angles are so obtuse that the pressure is just pulling the joint apart. I'm just, together, so. I'm just going back to have a look at it on on, on Instagram because I'm pretty sure I saw it not too long ago. And it was this, it was at a, yeah. a dark, a dark like a walnut, yeah. super sharp angle. Yeah, I saw that. So that one, um, that was the easy glue up. I made it in three sections. Yeah, and is, yeah. the next part of that glue up just went haywire. But mm-hmm. anyway, I'll, um, I think it's going to be a cool idea. So I want to carry on uh, seeing if I can make it work um anything cool. else um what have i done i'll be making a set of stairs out of plywood which is uh, nice. interesting we cnc'd a whole like three and a half four sheets of plywood into a whole lot of zigzags and um there was a minor fail there where we cnc'd a lot of part a and not much of part b so um had to do a bit of 
quick thinking and anyway worked out how to how to do it so i'm, I'm essentially making if you it's like a floating staircase kind mm. of up to a loft bed so there's no stringers it's just the shape of the stairs up and up and across and up and across um so so the what is the, what is this shape because in my mind i thought you were going to say it's just you just cut a you know a whole bunch of stringers and then glue them together and that's your stairs well essentially essentially is a whole lot of stringers but they're the shape of the stairs not the shape of a traditional stringer which would okay. be a straight yeah. uh, straight line so essentially we've just made glue lamb plywood stairs kind of um anyway that might that may be in a video it's becoming very difficult to film because it's quite a massive project so mm. i'm not sure how to go about filming the rest of it that sounds really interesting, though. Um, and and then to to support it on on the wall, how are uh, you? Well, it's going up to a loft bed, which I'm making, and so the beam that's going to hold the bed to the wall will also kind of hold the stairs up at the same time. Um, so there's no support halfway up the stairs. No, no, no. Oh wow. Okay. That's that's why it's all out of plywood. So essentially, it's a glue lamb beam that is the shape of stairs. So how thick does the lamination end up being, or is it the entire thing the same thickness? Uh, well, we that was the original plan, and it was going to have to be thirty-three pieces of eighteen mil ply wide. So it wouldn't have treads; it would be kind of built into it. Built in, yeah. But then it was getting really heavy. That was looking at like seven sheets of plywood, and it's like I don't think I can lift seven sheets of plywood. <laughs> It'll hold a person, but you won't be able to get it up. Yeah. So um, we've halved that and had some gaps between the plywood members right um so it's and then i'm going to actually skin it with some thin mdf so the part you're actually going to stand on will be some probably five mil mdf or something like that oh isn't that just isn't that just covering up the coolest part of it though yeah but that's not what they want <laughs> oh like, okay yeah fair enough fair enough i'm sorry i thought no. i thought you were doing this as like a more of a uh, um, no this is a job project. like it's yeah, actually, yeah. funny enough, the whole job's got a is meant to be more like a French antique distressed thing. Um, mm. So the rest of the loft bed is going to have mouldings and turned posts and all sorts of fancy stuff. But the stairwell, we needed to make it look very slim and minimal, just so it didn't encroach on other things in the room. So it's going to be quite a bit of a juxtaposition of style there, but. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I was in my head. I was just seeing, you know, a white thing of plywood or you know, the end grain of all the plywood there because that would look, that would look yeah. amazing. I'll get a picture on Instagram tomorrow morning, I think. Mm. Sweet. Sweet. That's me. All right. Um, first of all, Joey has got balloons. Is that because you're celebrating? I saw that. Robin? Yeah, uh, man, we're dad, still yeah. celebrating uh, my, my, my wee man's birthday. We, we decided we'll just leave the balloons up until they pop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when was his actual birthday? Uh, the 5th. Okay, it's just a couple of days ago. Yeah. When when was um, your daughter born? 1st. 1st of June. You can't, oh, it's cool. a real hard one to forget. Yeah, I'm never going to remember that. <laughs> right in the middle of the year. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, all right, that's my turn now, isn't it? Yep. Uh, okay, so continuing on from last week, still doing that bookcase, that, oh, the pigeonhole bookcase thing, and it's all but done. I'm just installing the shelf pins, and then it's into the finishing room tomorrow, which means I do miss the delivery of the 8th by one day, but I did miss out on two days of work, so, you know, it's all good, and the client doesn't care. They're, they're more than happy to wait, so 
that should be wrapped up tomorrow and I can get some photos out on Instagram and start editing a video for once um, <laughs> to put out my, my periodic. We, we do that from time to time as yeah, creators. It feels like it's been forever since I've put one out on periodic furniture, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm enjoying this project, but I do hate making bookcases out of solid wood because uh, the amount of glue-ups that is involved is just yeah. torture. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's looking great. And it's looking cool. Um, on top of that, we've got some. I'm doing a charity auction um, for a Fremantle Foundation, so I've just started kind of coming up with a few concepts and designs for that. It's not. An, it's not due until the. I think it's August, um, but I just want to get a start on it and you know put it in the display room until the, the auction is here, and that's going to be cool. I'm thinking. I've got two ideas. One's round. And one square, well, rectangular, and it looks all right. Um, so there's that. I've had another commission come through or deposits come through. Oh, cool. um, so I'm just starting prep on that. Uh, this is a sound engineer, so he wants a recording studio desk oh, for his home studio, and that'll be nice. I'm really excited for it, actually. So it's got that kind of U-shaped desk. Mm-hmm. To it, and then it has all the racks built in, and it's going to be yeah. stepped with monitors and big tray for his MIDI keyboard, and oh. it's going to be really nice. Hopefully, we can get it to a, a reasonable price. Um, you know, we we obviously have a budget that we already have discussed, but I'm just hoping to be able to build it to his budget and mm. to the the kind of quality that he's looking for. So. I'm thinking we probably will use veneered plywood for mm. the tops just to one for budget and also for stable for the stability because his actual apartment is upstairs. It has to be kind of flat packed because there's no lift to, to right. bring it up. Yeah, otherwise but, otherwise you you're just gonna have the same problem as, as you do now where you all your the budget's going to be spent and you're gluing up pieces of wood anyway. Exactly. So it's going to cost a tiny bit more materials, but it's yeah. going to save him probably three, four days of labor. So yeah. in the long run, it, it will still save a little bit of money on the build. Um, but that's just going to be that cool design. Uh, hasn't been a huge amount actually making this week, but as Leroy has asked in the uh, live chat here, yeah, I think yeah, I was going to gonna ask about that. Um, but as I mean, I know that you guys know, as in Joey and, and Robin, know that George Woodshop was kind of a dead channel. I decided to just move away and, and focus on periodic furniture being a business channel. But I've decided because I've got these lathes and I've got a few restoration projects on the go, I want to I want to restore my um, thicknesser. I want to restore my jointer just to get all of the cardboard shims out of it and make it looking like new i kind of decided that these are cool projects to kind of document but they definitely don't match um mm. the furniture they don't match george woodshop because it's got nothing to do with wood it's going to be more metal and 3d printing and you know fabrication stuff than anything <clears throat> i thought instead of you know having a name that contradicts the content i'm putting out i'd change it to maker addiction and that way it, it it's more relevant to the content that's coming out. It also will be easier to encourage collaborations because it's, you know, all things making. Mm. And basically, 
George Woodshop is dead. People, <laughs> people stopped watching it. <laughs> well, good, good luck trying to lose the name because yeah, yeah it's, but it's stuck. It, it's stuck, yeah. But basically, it's just I hate that name now, and I want <laughs> I want it out of my life. So mm. that, that's the biggest reason for the rebrand. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, so I saw your video pop up, and I, I was like, "What? What's this maker addiction?" I was so close to writing you an email to say, hey, someone scammed your... been hacked. <laughs> Someone's hacked it. But the thing is, like... I didn't want to start any of this until Facebook let me change my Facebook name, right? Uh, I wanted to do an announcement video on the day that I change it. But Facebook, I go on to Facebook to change my name, application, and all that. And I say, oh, it doesn't meet our guidelines. It's misleading to what you're creating. What? And so I appeal it and say, well, it's not misleading because all I do is make and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And um, they came back saying, well, you have to have supporting documents to prove that it's not going to be misleading. So I've changed the YouTube channel before the Facebook page can be done. I did an announcement on, the, on, fa- uh, on my Facebook wall to announce it. And I've also sent them the fact that look up jewelswoodshop.com. It doesn't exist anymore. It's dead. Um, so hopefully they come back saying, yes, we will approve this name change. I didn't realize they made you jump through so many hoops. I thought it would have just been a case of you can or you can't. Not you can, but we need you to dance, monkey. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like I own this bloody thing. It's mine, and I can't even change the name because you think it's misleading. Yeah. Delete. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm done. I hate Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think Facebook's going to be around for for too much longer. Yeah, I think to it's be, dying. Everyone seems to be leaving it these days. Oh, I'm ready. I'm really ready. But yeah, uh, no, that's me. What have, what have you been up to, Dad? <laughs> yeah, well, the biggest thing this week was becoming a dad. Um, so not too much going on in and around the shop because, um, yeah, Thursday and Friday I was in hospital. And then <laughs> after Friday I've been um, daddy daycare. Yep. So... <laughs> But what I have done is just small jobs around the bathroom. So um, last week I finished all of the tiling. So it was so nice to be able to take my all my trowels and adhesive downstairs and just put it away because I'm so sick of tiling now. Um, so all the tiling's done. The the toilet, the new toilet got installed. The uh, yesterday I hung the toilet door. Today I put up the roller blind, started working on the, the vanity top. So it's just all those sort of small rounding up things. Mm. Everything's working in there. It's all functional. But now it's just all of those details and then eventually on to paint. Um, yeah, so no no, no filming or anything this week, unfortunately. Um, but oh, what I did – <laughs> what I have been working on this week, actually, a bit off topic, but a company contacted me because they'd seen my YouTube channel and they are in partnership with a big company. And I'm not going to say who it is, but they're in partnership with a big company and they want me to do a, an unboxing and a review and a use, a use of this, this thing um, so that they can use it in a media campaign. So it's not going to be on my mm-hmm. channel, but they basically want, they've got a, a few people together and they want us to um, yeah, be a face of this, this campaign, which is that's pretty cool. Is it? Yeah. Can you say, is it Australian only or international? So it's a, well, it's the, oh, the company's worldwide, yeah. but it, it's been launched around the rest of the world. Right. And it's coming to Australia. Okay, cool. It's one of these 
these uh, portable razors. And yep. obviously with the beard and everything, it works because I've got to do a review where I actually, or a video where I actually use it. So that's where it works. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that's been pretty cool. It's been a bit of filming, but just not making. Yeah. Yeah. Woodworking. Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. So yeah, that's been about my week and yeah. All right. Well, tonight, tonight we've, we're going to talk about something that people have been asking us over and over again by way of questions. Um, things like, how do you finish this? Or how do you guys use polyurethane? And we keep saying, we're not going to do it now. We're not going to ask the question. We're going to do a topic on it. <laughs> um, so tonight, tonight is the night. And I think what we might do as well, if this, if we, you know, we'll take our time with it. And if yeah. we get to the end and this, we haven't completed it, do part two next week. It may happen. Yeah. 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 So I, I had some questions for Jordan because I know he does a lot of spraying. And so there's mm. some stuff I don't know what the hell is what. So oh, I, I've just remembered I have to go. So, okay. have to go, guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, this is obviously a huge topic and, uh, starting at one point is going to be pretty tricky. So what I thought we could do to start is (laughs) I'm sure each of us have a favorite finishing method. Um, So, and I know that's obviously dependent on what you are finishing, but if you were to say like any way of finishing, this is the way I'm going to, I would do it. Joey, Mm. what would be your, what would be your best way to finish something? Yeah. Is, That's is tough. I would say at the moment, probably um, a wipe on polyurethane. And my favorite at the moment is Minwax. And it's just beautiful right out, right out of the can. And mm. that's what I did on my dining table. And I've done it on a couple of tables now. And just essentially rag it on and wipe it off. And she's finished in four or five coats. So. Now, I thought you were a. I thought you liked the water-based stuff, or is that just I do practicality more than anything? Um, I like water-based stuff. It's great for speed. It's great for durability, especially the stuff that I'm using. I'm using Cabot CFP Floor, which is mm. their flooring stuff. Um, but it is difficult to get a very smooth finish on, and it doesn't build. It can be. I, I find. Once you get a few coats on it, it can, it almost seems like it's a bit blurry, like it's a bit misty. You're not getting a dead, clean representation of the timber underneath it. Mm. Um, and it, and so if I'm doing shop fit out stuff or just um, um, with, uh, rustic style stuff, I mean, you can just throw water-based stuff on it all day long and it's going to look mint. Mm. But if you're doing like um, that high end, you know, the extension table I did a while back. Uh, and I want some really cool figure oh, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I want a glass smooth finish. The best way for me to do that is some kind of wipe on polyurethane where there's lots of uh, thinners in it, which means it's going to evaporate. Or maybe if I get into it, it's not actually evaporating, but um, if it will dry quicker with more thinners in it. So. Mm. Okay. I would say that's probably where I'm at at the moment. Do you, just, just really quickly, um, do you get really consistent results with the wipe on min wax? At the moment, I yes. Okay. Uh, it does depend on coats. I mean, with my own stuff, I tend to be pretty rushed and don't get as many coats on as I'd like. 
Right. With customer stuff, you know, it's dead. It's a nigh on perfect. I would say it's as good as a spray finish. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I just asked because I used to use the same for probably two years. Okay. And it was, I, I had never had an issue. It always came out top, uh, tops. And then all of a sudden I started getting this splotchy finish. And I don't know if it was the batch I got or if it was me that's changed my technique or anything. But, yeah, it was kind of weird. But, um yeah, good to know that. I do get the, I mean, I do get the odd where I think I've done a final coat because <clears throat> if coat before was dead smooth and I, I do one more coat just to make sure. Yeah. And then it came back in the morning and that one feels rough as guts. Yeah. What, what's happened? And it's just, I don't know what has happened. And so I just rub that back and do another one and it's fine. So yeah. it okay. just happens sometimes. But Yeah, I, I did like it. It was good stuff. <clears throat> um, so me... I mean, I'm in two minds because I don't actually like using lacquer because I don't like the, you know, the harmful chemical VOCs and all that crap that you get with it. But it's just so easy to use. Like, I mean, once you get your technique down with spraying, it's just the nicest thing to spray. It's quick. You can do three coats in a day easily, and that's not a push either. Mm. And you know, it melts into itself. So the more layers you apply, it's not like it's applying a layer onto a layer. You're actually building a solid layer of finish. So if you mm. want a high build, you can get a high build and you have no grain popping through at all. Uh, generally, if I want that, I would actually brush on the first layer of lacquer quite thick with no thinners, then mm. sand it and then start spraying because that's my version of grain filling instead of having two products. Um but at the same time, you need to have a spray set up for it because if you're spraying it inside, you're going to get poisoned. Um, <laughs> Minor complication. You know, you're going to you're gonna have fun while doing it, but you're going to have a pretty nasty headache afterwards. Mm. And also, like, especially when you're running a business, there's actually regulations against it. You know, <laughs> I was going to have, say. You're meant to have storage lockers. You have to have fresh air ventilation, right. all sorts of stuff for it. Do you... I can, I can fly under the radar a little bit yeah. because I'm only one guy here. But when I did have WorkSafe pop through and they saw that I do use these solvent-based finishes, um, he said, look, that could be a problem if you employ someone. Right. And that's where he left it. You know, he, he understood, you know, it's only me and I'm, if I blow myself up, it's my own fault sort of thing. But Yeah, that's interesting because uh, my neighbor is a, a panel beater and... So they have fairly regular and stringent checks on their um, spray booth. Yeah. And the, I mean, that, all they have to do is walk in my door and say, huh, you're spraying things and you don't have a spray booth and you're in a commercial zone and now you're shut down. So, yeah, it can uh, be like that. Now, I don't call my finishing room a spray booth because it's not a spray booth, right. but it has got ventilation outside and it has got vent in, so it does have that circulation, but it isn't a booth. Um, and when I've only had them come by once, but if they do come by, then I just explain to them that, you know, I never use this and I now use this, which is not always true. but Because I guess it's, the problem is not only you, it's the neighbors in the area. That's right. So just going out to everyone, yeah. Because the stench, like you're meant to have as well, I can't remember the exact height, but for your outside vent, it has to be mm. a specific height from your, your roof line so that, you know, when the vapors are out there, it doesn't, it can't drift down and in or whatever. 
I imagine that would be the same as a, a chimney stack where it has to be, I think here it's got to be something like a meter over the ridge line of the yeah. house. So it doesn't get trapped in the dead air if there's no wind. Um, yeah, that sounds familiar. So mm, something I, like that. Yeah, there, there's complications to it, but when, because I'm only my own guy, it's fine. So um, question then. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this or anything, but so I always see when I when I get things priced by for spraying, especially with clears, there's always the <clears throat> option of pre-catalyzed or catalyzed or single pot. So yeah. Do you know what, what they're talking about and what the difference is really? I, I don't know what the difference is so much. Um, I use Sherwin-Williams catalyzed, so I have to add the catalyst 10%. Right. Um, I have used pre-cat lacquer and I can't tell any difference with the finished product with hardness or how it sprays or anything. Does it have a different shelf life, do you think, if it's pre-catalyzed or is it just nothing? I mean, it's just... I'm not sure about shelf life. Um, when the sales rep came through for Sherwin-Williams or whatever they're called here, I think they're called something 21, um, I spoke to him back and forth about what he thinks is the best option for me and... Basically, when he said that, this is what um, Jar Rock and Jarricorp use on all of their builds. I thought, all right, if people that charge that amount of money can use this on those tables, <laughs> that's the finish for me. And I kind of sat at that. Uh, I do know that, like for guitars and stuff, they will only use catalyzed. Like you have to post cat. So, you know, mix your own for some reason, but I don't know why. So, yeah, no, I, I can't tell you the difference okay. between it all, unfortunately. All right, fine. But that's something works. for another show then. Yeah, that's some, that's some Google homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That video that you put out not too long ago, Jordan, of how you do the spray. Yeah. Jeez, it looks easy. It is once you get used to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine that's the trick. But when I watched it, I just thought, oh, any, anyone could do this, but I'm sure there's more to it than just that. Yeah, there's one thing which I will say, and that is a good quality gun makes the world of difference. Like mm. I'm not I'm not using a six hundred dollar spray gun, but I am using about a hundred and fifty dollar spray gun and compare that to a ninety dollar spray gun and I can't get the results. I can't oh, get really? the same results. Like it, it, there is a big thing to say if you get the best gun that you can at the time because it does make life easier. Cause I think it's like the needle is better, the the fan dispersion is better you can tune it in a lot easier and then the, like the nozzle size yeah the nozzle size as well like generally the more expensive ones come with a selection of nozzles so mm. i've i use 1.8 and 2 millimeter nozzles and like you can't get the same results with a 1.6 or or a 1.4 it's mm. impossible huh. but 150 bucks is still i mean that's not really a lot of money no no it's not it's, when it's your it's your entire finishing tool that's right mm. i have seen Guns at six fifty seven hundred, so yeah, there's obviously something happening there. It's it's just it's not like don't go to super cheap order or whatever and get one of those <laughs> and get super cheap gun. <laughs> yeah, because they aren't they aren't gonna they're designed for automotive paint for one, which is way thinner. Yeah, um, and they also aren't gonna give you very good results. Go go to someone that actually sells spray equipment and knows what they're talking about. So I actually, I looked into HVLP systems quite a bit and I thought everyone on Instagram and YouTube seems to be HVLP everywhere. Um, and Sorry, what's HVLP? Which is um, high, high, volume, volume, low high volume, low pressure. 
And so it's essentially a, it's instead, well, the, the kits they're selling these days are instead of having an air compressor, it has a fan, like a, essentially like a um, vacuum cleaner that's blowing the air through a large pipe, like a vacuum cleaner type pipe. Really? Mm. Is and that then, enough to push the... Well, they have, the, the better ones have four and five stage motors in them. And wow. they're, actually, they're, they're actually really good. I know um, uh, Guy Dunlap from Guy's Workshop uses mm. it and he gets excellent results, but they're bloody loud. I and mean, you might as well just yeah. have your air compressor going. So when I saw how loud they are and how like essentially it's the same as just running an air compressor, I, uh, I thought, well, maybe I should just try my compressor again, mm. which I did try it for water-based paints. Because in the past, in my old workshop, which no one ever has ever seen, I had a little kind of spray area outside that was all fly netted out. Um, mm -hmm. And I used to spray a lot of my bookshelves and stuff and get awesome finishes with water-based paints. But um, when I tried it in the workshop, I mean, it just it was just like rain, misty. I couldn't see from one end to the other in about <laughs> three, three seconds. I was like, right, that's it. Which style of gun because you can get HVL, I use HVLP with my compressor so I run my guns at like 22 PSI so the, yeah. the whole thing to spraying is the lowest possible pressure where you still atomize the, the thing coming off the nozzle yeah so, that's definitely something I, I need to know more about and somehow find the time to learn about um, PSI and how to actually tune it properly because most, <laughs> most of the time I'm just like, all right, full pressure, let's go get paint on. <laughs> so you set it to host path mode. Yeah, because <laughs> like when you go full pressure, what happens is that you're drying the, partic the particulate before it's hitting the work surface. Right, yeah. So you need that to be wet. Too much. Yeah, yeah, so you want to be as low pressure as you can. Mm. Generally, you open the needle, so like hold the trigger and wind out the needle until it doesn't, bottom out anymore and then just give it one turn in or half a turn in huh. and then as low pressure as you can on a test piece and then just keep dialing it up um the one thing i would say if you're using a compressor though is make sure you have a good quality air filter regulator with non-oiler it has to be yeah. a dry regulator yeah because if you're relying on your compressor's regulator you're going to start with high pressure and then it's gone and bottom out. So you have to yeah, yeah, hold yeah, that yeah. trigger open for a second before you start hitting the workpiece as well. Yeah. Speaking of compressors, last week I said that mine blew up and it did. It seemed like the main drive capacitor went. And so we got a new one. And now it sounds, it works perfectly and it sounds like a brand new compressor. Like it, it, it's so quiet. And before, like when I had it brand new, so three years ago, it just was noisy as all hell right from the get-go. And just by changing out the capacitor, this thing just purrs like a little kitten in the corner. Like you cannot hear it running. It's crazy is, that, is, that they sold it to me already shit. <laughs> is there a real difference in the volume level between good and bad compressors? Because that's one of the reasons why I hardly use mine is it just makes such well, a racket. But I don't yeah. know if that's just what compressors do. Well, I have always known them to be loud obnoxious things and so mm. i spent probably the better part of 900 bucks on that compressor that i have and mm. thought right this is going to be a nice quiet thing i can have in the shop and then turned it on i was like holy crap this thing is so noisy i'll just have to put up with it but it turns yeah. out it was, it was just the, the bloody capacitor so um <laughs> the screwdriver ones are super quiet 
But I find the biggest thing, at least from my experience, I've, I've gone through probably five compressors until I've settled on the one I like, uh, is going from direct drive to belt drive is the biggest quiet factor. Like you, right. the belt yeah. drive is a lot quieter than the direct drive. It's still noisy. Like it's still annoying as anything, but okay. it's more yeah. tolerable. And then, yeah. then you go into the world of screwdrive, and it's like six thousand dollars for a, a, a small compressor, which doesn't have the same capacity as your yeah. current one. And it's like no way. Yeah. Okay. Um, there, there was a bit of a detour. Yeah, we, we're talking about finishing today, guys. I promise. Um, so I've always been uh, wipe on poly. Yeah. Um, only because that was the, I guess, the first one that I've used. I've tried water-based and never had good results up until the one episode where we talked, uh, Joey, about your that your first code is so imag- amazingly important with water-based because if you have a little drop on the piece, yeah. you're stuffed. Yeah. So ever since then, I've, I've managed to improve it. But still, um, YPON's always been it. I've almost... I'd, you know, there's a couple of times that I've I've really spent a lot of time finishing, and I've and I've liked my oil, just a normal oil finish. But yeah, wipe on you can get the best. Well, I find the easiest way to get the best results. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so I was doing. So when we talked about this topic, I was I started thinking about and I so so these things have always confu- confused me a bit. Like I've always thought I've always kind of known what shellac is. And mm. I've always kind of known what varnish is, but then if you try and define the difference between a varnish, what is a varnish compared to a shellac compared to an oil? You know, what are these things? Yeah. And so before the show, I was thinking like I better do a little bit of checking to make sure what I say is correct, and I learned a few things. So <laughs> if you are keen to know, I think maybe this is a good. I think this leads on down the track so i think it was a good place to go to kind of go back to basics a little bit about what we're actually talking about and then everything from there builds on builds so if you're interested people grab a pen and paper because i have some interesting things i think (laughs) so so all finishes really are derived from three things you need a drying oil and we will all know what they are they are linseed oil and tongue oil and walnut oil, which I don't know so much about. I guess it's popular in the States. Um, Sorry, so, this is a drying oil? Yeah. So there's those are the three main drying oils that seem to be the, the ones that are used um, for wood finishing. So it's naturally drying. And what that actually means, if I refer to my notes somewhere, is that it's not actually drying in that if, if you have something like a lacquer, it dries by the solvent evaporating or mm. water-based paint dries by the water evaporating and drying out the paint. Yeah. If the oil dries or feels dry by polymerizing and it has cross-linking doodads. <laughs> this is, this is as far as I've read. And then my brain just turns to mush. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's the main, that's what we're, that's the main part that is um, important here is that, uh, the, yeah, it's, a, it's actually forming a film rather than just drying and kind of soaking into the timber like water would. It's actually joining it together to create a, like a barrier. Ah, and that's like what, a, yeah. yeah, so that's what the important difference is. So, hmm. um, 
So Sorry, before you go on, so I guess then it's a yeah. real it's a real balancing act then because you you want it to dry at a certain rate because you want some of it to soak in and then create the film instead of just putting it on and instantly. Dry. I mean, I'm not it can't yeah. instantly dry, but and then you don't get any um, adhesion mm. to the surface. So mm. you can't. That's a bit of a balancing. Oh, I imagine it would be a balancing act then. So yeah, because uh, I've always been struggled to define what a varnish is and so essentially mm. what i'm talking about are the three ingredients to varnish so so the first thing is a drying oil the second thing you need is a resin and that is some kind of organic compound it's either what well, most popular is a pine resin or what they call rosin um or shellac or carry gum amber you know tree amber essentially just gum that leaks out of a tree Mm. Um, so you need that resin and then you need a solvent which typically is turpentine which is an interesting story in itself because terps is well turpentine is a distillation of resin from the turpentine tree Mm. (laughs) just just to add some confusion just to make it tricky these days what we call mineral terps or or terps is actually petroleum based and it's as completely completely different from um chemically different from turpentine but they call it terps here um just a quick side note it's if you look for spirit of terps that's the real pine based okay in australia anyway i don't know if it's the same in new zealand but yeah, I don't. I've never seen it actually. We only get seem to just get turps. Yeah. I, um, I managed to pick up a twenty liter tub, but well, that, well. that's the first and last time I've seen it. And and does it work like normal turps? Yeah, more or less. I oh. mean, it, it dries a lot faster. As does it, in does it when break you wipe down um, your finishes, like your polys and that type of thing? I I've been using it too, and it works. Oh. <laughs> so I assume so. So. So if you get those three things, mix them together in various mm, um, amounts, you're going to have yourself a varnish. And so that is the basic, and that has been around for at least 2,000 years. So mm-hmm. um, like that's your, your basic standard of what we're, you know, what we're doing. Um, and I don't know if you want to start talking about shellac, but I mean, shellac is basically a resin, which is one of those three ingredients so before you before we do, you've said that that's a varnish. So yeah. is that then to say that a varnish is just a generalized term for something that you put onto wood, or is because I've wow. always thought that a varnish had a specific ingredient which made it. Because when I go to Bunnings and I go to this finishing, there's wipe on poly and then there's varnish. And yeah, there's see, shellac. I don't think anything these days days labeled varnish is going to be like traditionally those three things. Yeah. I think it's just a man-made uh, petroleum-based polyurethane. Um, and they're just calling it varnish because Joe Woodworker down the road doesn't know what the hell he's talking about mm. or actually what he wants. Um, you can. The good thing with this is you could make it yourself, especially if George has got a, um, a supplier of real turpentine. I yeah. mean, you, you can buy it. Like you can buy the shellac resin, you can buy um, linseed oil, and you can buy turpentine. You can make your own shellac. Uh, you can make your own varnish, which actually yeah. seems like a really cool thing to try and do. And if you go to like uh, ballet suppliers, you can get ten kilos of rosin at yeah. a time, and there's your there's your main hardening agent. So, and that is the number one. That that rosin is the the number one thing yeah. for making varnish. Is it's a pine resin. So. What a, what a cool thing to add to your 
like here's my table mm. here's my stance line and it's been finished in a traditional method like that could the be pretty only cool. thing that would make me feel a little bit iffy about making your own varnish from scratch is if that client comes to you five years later and wants the same finish <laughs> and then you think oh okay well these are the same uh, ratios <laughs> That looks entirely different because. But that's the that's where you say, well, this is why I cost so much because you're getting a custom handmade it's true hand artisan, yeah. artisan yeah. finish. I mean, you no, could no finish is the same. Yeah, it's I reckon all, it's you all could, unique. I reckon you could cool. bottle it and sell it for gazillions. <laughs> artisan varnish. You can call it. You can call it George Vintage Varnish. Yeah. Imagine. Okay, I don't know if they even have ingredients lists on these things, but imagine if you picked up a, a bucket of varnish and it only had three ingredients on it yeah i mean you can't get much more natural than that stuff yeah well so. i'd get i'd get greedy and i'd start filling it with other stuff make profit yeah. margins go up 90 percent water just use the just use the 10 percent skim layer <laughs> um before we move off the the turpentine uh or the ingredients i have a bottle of water-based terps oh, yeah. oh, right. i've never used it but. It's it's rubbish. Don't waste <laughs> time. Um, but it was when I bought it, I was just like, that's just that's um, that's witchcraft. Yeah, how can you make a water based terps? But I guess that sort of ties in with what you're saying because turpentine, turpent, or, or yeah, turpentine isn't necessarily oil based. It just needs something to hold that um, whatever it was, the pine. Well, it must be the same well, sort of I thing that we get water-based enamels now because I, I still don't know how that works. Like, yeah. Well, the drying agent is water and, yeah. not, um, yeah. and so water is going to evaporate. But to me, I don't know how it goes so fast because um, you, you, you would think a water-based finish wouldn't dry that fast, but it dries like in half an hour, it's done. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I, the reason I went down that whole big thing is because I think everything else we might end up talking about kind of relates back to the, these basic ingredients or the basic formula of like three, you know, you need these three things to make something, to make yeah. a finish hard enough, um, especially if we're going to start talking about shellac, although we're getting late in the podcast already. Yeah, um, yeah, we're not going to be able to touch on that today. <laughs> shellac's a whole different podcast we'll I, do next I week. I that we talk about shellac. <laughs> Leroy just made a comment that uh, he's looking forward to um, episode 17 when we've, you know, <laughs> when we start oh, getting into the real stuff. Yeah, we get into the nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. But I wonder if those are the three base ingredients, what this, like, so Rubio Monica, we mentioned it a few episodes ago that I, I got my hands on some. That's mm. a linseed-based oil, but oh, I think it's linseed. Yeah, but it's got some super weird agents in it that make it rock hard. So I wonder if it's just different ratios that they're using, and then putting well, they a must huge be, price but that is essentially an epoxy. Like you're putting a catalyst mm. in there. Yeah, so, there is a hard. No, so yeah. it's like an oil. Like I say, when I say oil, oil based, I mean a natural oil based epoxy almost. Yeah, I mean it's awesome to mm. use. It's just so expensive. I wonder yeah. what it is. It's interesting that. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a because does it smell like a linseed type thing? Yeah, and they and they advertise that it's linseed based, but everything else seems to be kind of hush hush about it. <laughs> okay, but you, you you do wonder how much marketing there is um, that goes along with it because, as you say, Joey, there's for for two thousand years there've been three ingredients. 
Mm. The chances of us living in the in an era where someone makes up this magic new chemical compound is pretty low. So you would assume then that it's just all just slight variation yeah, that are going to change yeah. your world, but they're not really going to. Well, it's like, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> Danish oil, now that we know what varnish is, Danish oil is just a bunch of linseed oil, a bunch of tongue oil, and a third varnish, which has those things in it already, mm. which mm. is even weirder. But what they want from the varnish is the turpentine or the, the thinnest part of it, which is mm. going to help dry out the... Um, the, the oil's better. <clears throat> and so mm, I think yeah. a lot of people have a misconception that Danish oil is somehow natural or really natural. Well, it is to a point. You've got your two oils, but you've also, especially these days where turpentine is manufactured and it's actually not terps, it's more like fully commercial thinners. Basically kerosene. Yeah, I mean, it's not nice stuff to smell, that stuff, and teak oil as well. I mean, that stuff is just about jet jet fuel. I mean, that stuff is not natural, but uh, it does the job. Give give it a natural name and everyone goes gangbusters. And I think that's also the problem with generic names like varnish. People say, oh, just get some varnish. But what is it that you're getting? Uh, You need to ask a few more questions if you are that, if you have the the tendencies to want to know, I suppose. Mm. And and then talking about the, the how natural it is, then that would, I guess, make sense why for things like cutting boards, there are specific finishes that you use because you would want it to be walnut oil, lint, mm. well, you, I'm not saying you do yes. use linseed oil, but you would go for the walnut oil, linseed oil. What was the, what was the third one? Um, tongue oil. Tongue oil. You'd but want you it to could, be one of those yeah. three. Or oh, just olive oil or something that is... Uh, not not olive because it does faster, but yeah, non-festering oh, right. oils yeah. with no VOCs. So mineral oils, flaxseed oil is a good one. I think grapeseed yeah. is one. Yeah. But yeah, you, know, you go for you the guys, ones with no additives and... You guys can get citrus oil or something. Yeah, we got uh, orange oil and citrus oils are cool. It's, it's pretty expensive, but okay. it works nicely. Huh. Do you not? Do you not get it, Joey? I've never seen it. No, we mm. can buy like a chopping board oil, which seems to me like it's not oil. It, the one I've used seems like it's a man-made thing, anyway. So is it that milky one? Yeah, it's kind of milky yellow. Yeah, yeah. I've used and, that. I don't know what's in it. I just no. I don't question it. <laughs> So you guys were talking about Danish oil, and, and Rob's just asked an interesting question there. Um, wh- what are the ingredients in Danish oil? Uh, well, it's all, all the companies have got different ratios, but it's yes. essentially linseed, tang um, oil, and varnish. Right. So Rob's just asked, or thinner. Yeah. How come Danish oil smells so good and linseed oil smells so bad? So maybe then. Yeah, maybe then it's just the linseed oil aspect. The the is less. Is less, so that's but, why. Yeah. And I mean, the thinners that they use are generally the real turpentine. So this is if you like, if I go out and opened up my twenty liter bucket of um, plant like spirit and turpentine, my entire workshop just smells like Danish oil. Right, um, and it's that thinner that they're using. Um, I've never used Danish oil. Is it so? Are you saying then that it's the, kind of like a white one? It's the, very, it's like water. It's very yeah. thin. And then, so you're saying that if I go to the hardware store and buy a tin of Danish oil, yeah. I'm most likely getting the traditional um, turpentine knots. Uh, not well, I can't speak for every brand, but I use or, organ oil or something it's called. Or mm-hmm. you, you 
it's along those lines. And that brand, yeah, it would. That's interesting. I use mainly Brywax because I like how, what it does, mm. but there's no way in hell that that is natural turpentine. I mean, that stuff is rocket fuel straight <laughs> up. Like when he, because I was surprised that Rob said he liked the smell of it because, like, you do not want to put your head in the can of the Brywax stuff because it will just melt your nostrils. It reminds me of something, but I can't remember what. <laughs> That's probably a bad sign. I think in general, I like the smell of Danish oil, but I, I, I can't get that close to it because it's just it stinks so. the thing i don't like about the danish oil is how long the smell sticks around on you like <laughs> some un, un like ungloved hand or something and you just smell like it for ages mm. when i think of linseed oil so, and someone mentioned it in the chat as well um i just think of cricket <laughs> putting oh, yeah. linseed oil on the bats i thought that was cre- crepe seed oil that you put on cricket bats maybe maybe i'm thinking a different sport yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely. Um, Rob's also mentioned boiled linseed oil. Oh, God. Uh, you know, it's about that, Joey. That's a different kettle of fish. Uh, I should have researched it. Uh, I used oh, to know the difference. We're clearly going to be doing this next week, so we can... We'll do it next set, week. Set yeah. Um, uh, yeah, what does it do? Um, I think... Uh, I'll say what I think it is at the moment is that essentially boiled linseed oil has got thinners in it. It's got nothing to do with being boiled. Um, they put some kind of turpentine drying, um, agent. drying agent in there to help speed it up. Anyone who's used raw linseed oil knows that it takes three weeks to dry. <laughs> I made and that mistake when I started. <laughs> like true raw linseed oil though, like not the stuff you get at Bunnings, but the real stuff. It's like thick maple syrup. Yeah, it's very thick. And, yeah. and that's the raw stuff. And the boiled stuff is very thin and usually quite dark amberish. Yeah. Um, and will dry in only a day or two rather than three weeks. So, yeah, that's. I think that's what it is, is that it, it contains thinners and the boiling of it means nothing. It has not been boiled. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone has those stories about, oh, if you use linseed oil, don't leave the rag out because it's going to catch on fire. And, you know, everyone goes, oh, it's bullshit. This year alone, two people I know have had it happen to them. Yeah, didn't we talk about this in, in Queensland when we got together? Oh, I'm yeah, sure probably did, yeah. Someone like was saying, because I thought it was BS as well. Yeah. Great. <laughs> right. <laughs> All uh, right. We'll have to call it there, I guess, and then we'll do it part two next week. Wow, yeah. we like we didn't even touch the surface. We just no. saw the surface over there. And- <laughs> yeah. If Leroy is right, it is going to be a 17-episode <laughs> series. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll definitely be doing this again next week. Um yeah, okay, cool. Well, then let's move on to what we've been watching. Uh, we don't have anything in the description this week. Um, coming up to the show has been a bit of a um, crazy one with what's been going on over the week. So uh, do you guys have anything that you've watched in particular that you want to mention? I know Joey did, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, um, the Measuring Up podcast, not so much watching but listening Um couple of British guys, Peter Millard from the 10-Minute Workshop on YouTube and Andy McLean from the Gosforth Handyman on YouTube. Um, they, it's just the two of them, and they sit and chat. It's really informal, and they're way better than George and I at just talking. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, oh, you guys are so right. way too rough on yourselves. Last week um, was great. They, it's a pretty new podcast, and... I, I somehow it popped up on my feed and I listened to it and then suddenly uh, they're shouting me out on uh, their podcast. And so I was like, <laughs> oh, I'll listen to this a bit more. Um, 
but yeah, really good guys and interesting to get like a British perspective on, on stuff. A lot of it you're like, okay, yeah, that's what I do. Or, you know, that makes sense. And other, other stuff you're like, Oh, I haven't had to think about that because I don't have that, you know, I don't live in Britain. So it's a completely different, you know, the whole EU thing and all that privacy stuff that's happening at the moment with their websites. It seems to be causing a lot of problem with small businesses because there's no information for them. So um, interesting, interesting stuff. And I would, it's definitely worth a listen to. So cool. go check them out. That's pretty cool. Uh, I have got one. It's not related to woodworking, but it is making because it is cooking and he makes Ooh. things. Uh, but his name, his channel's name is Alex French Guy Cooking. Oh and my God. He is a French guy called Alex. And he <laughs> <laughs> I and, just uh, started watching this guy, oh, like randomly yeah. is. So I, I got put onto it through, uh, you guys probably know this old Tony. I think I've told okay. him a few times now. But he fixed one of his pasta machines and he is just crazy French man doing crazy experiments. Well, not even crazy, but like really getting into the nitty gritty of food. And uh, yeah, I I just haven't been able to stop watching. Like everything he cooks has bread or flour or like pure gluten. And as a celiac, it makes me very hungry, but also very jealous <laughs> that I can't eat any of this amazing food. But it's it's like I don't know. It should be a TV series. It shouldn't just be on YouTube. It's He's so good, eh, that guy? Yeah. And I, as far as I can tell, it's just him and his camera work and his, everything yeah. is just phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah. Check him out if you have any interest in cooking at all. Well, even if you don't. Even if you don't, yeah. Just like I, I like to cook, but I'm not like that big into cooking. But I, I just watched his omelette video like three times and then yeah. I watched another follow-up video on his omelette. And I was like, this is awesome. I think I watched like a six-part series of him making ramen noodles. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, yeah it just goes on. Well, it's insane. But it's just oh, so enjoyable. He gets, you know, he, gets, he does the maths. I don't know. He's got, he's got some education on him because he oh, does yeah. like the equations of what it all means. And he breaks down the, like, the physics of it. And you're just like, what is going on here? Like, so. and and even things like he's putting out spreadsheets to get the perfect pasta recipe oh, or yeah. <laughs> pizza dough and all sorts of stuff, and then he goes to Italy to visit these like world famous pizzerias and gets yeah. judged on his yeah. pizza making skills, and it's like <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Check it out if you want. Cool. Um, all right. Well, then if we are if we're stretching a little bit further away from making, uh, but still sticking with filmmaking, um, this. Uh, week i've been watching a lot of nerd writer you might have it's a fairly big channel um he was actually he did a video with casey nastat this week which is where i got onto it i've watched a few episodes in the past but i've been binging quite a bit recently just very cool um deconstruction of films and and pacing and editing and i think you know we do a lot of, obviously, a lot of what we do is filming. And I think a lot of what he has to say is interesting. On the this recent video with Casey Neistat, he talks about how much time he takes just to um, decide where he's going to cut, make a cut in an edit. Oh, really? Down yeah. to like the millisecond to make sure that the pacing of the video is right or feels right. And well. <laughs> I, I know, right? So I was looking at this, watching him going, I do not spend that amount of time on, on, on making a video, but maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe we need to. Maybe we need to. That's how you get a really good video. What's his name? Sorry, I missed it. Nerd writer. One Nerd. word. Right. I'm, good. Yeah. I'm doing it now. 
That's crazy. Yeah, maybe I, I, I often wonder after I, like I just edited the, the Lego box video this afternoon and released it. And I'm like, that only took me like an hour and a half. So maybe I should go back and make it, <laughs> make it better somehow. But yeah. I'm like, ah, it, it's just making some wood stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not in the business of making like uh, full feature things here. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In the last, the, the probably the last three or four videos that I've done have been real chuck up the camera, push record, and off you go. And there's nothing to it. Oh. And, um, I've missed I've missed make creating a film, you know, right. where there's music and there's there's pacing and there's there's a story and an mm-hmm. arc and all of that. And yeah, so I think when I finally get back into doing some um filming and some that's interesting. Yeah. So I'm this gonna is, go back to that because I miss yeah. It's funny you say that because I have the same feeling and that's kind of what has been bugging me with like that's what another contributing factor to starting George Woodshop up again with a different name. Is just so it's weekend videos where I am not under the gun to get anything done. And if it takes three weeks for me to get that video film, then it takes three weeks where I can really put the effort into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Cool. All right, everyone. Well, it's good to be back. Um, thanks to everyone in the chat. It was good seeing everyone. Um, and what everyone had to say it was really cool. Um, thanks to everyone for tuning in. If it was, uh, via YouTube or iTunes. Uh, Joey Jordan, anything else you want to add before we call it a night? Uh, no, just just keep making. Yeah, go go do some homework on finishing. Yeah, yeah we'll i got to do that now. I'm actually inspired to learn more. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Joey. That's right. Cool. All right, everyone. Have a very good weekend, yep. and we'll Cheers. see you again next week. Gotcha. <laughs>